10, so I'll let you get started if you'd like. I'll keep my eye on the waiting room in case we need to bring anyone else in. Uh, thank you, everyone. So my name is Mike Wazikowski. I'm the uh, chair of PTEC. Uh, Felice, could you uh, discuss the uh, rules of engagement for this meeting, please? With me here is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. He will work alongside Mike Wazikowski to facilitate the meeting proceedings. Adam and myself will facilitate the Zoom portion of the meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found in the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You'll just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. You can turn your video on and off by clicking on the video icon on the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, please keep your video on when you are participating in the meeting. When you are not participating, it is okay to turn your video off. Just remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. If you're participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom, somewhere on your screen, you will see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. Now we'll turn the meeting back over to PTAC Chair Mike Wazikowski. Uh, thank you very much. Uh Actually, the next item will be back to you because we need to do roll call next. So uh, we need to go through uh, PTAC roster and who's here. Sure. Lance Fay. Here. Max Schieber. Here. Mike Wazikowski. Here. Nick Kuzmiak. Here. Alan Ackland. Here. Gregory Critchlow. Here. Bill Wilson. Here. August Rudisell. Here. Freddie Gipp. Here. I believe that's it then. Excellent. Thank you very much, Felice. Uh, first item on our agenda is we received public comments uh, late to breaking either last night or this morning that uh, we've put on the agenda. Um, has everyone had an opportunity to uh, read the letter? Okay. Okay, so uh, I just want to make sure that we address it, what uh, Mr. Thornburg has uh, brought up here in terms of uh, the crash history around the uh, Lawrence Public Library and issues in terms of how we are providing people who are using bus stop near us uh, shelter to uh, wait for their bus to arrive. Do any PTAC members have, want to address uh, specific aspects of the letter? It goes me at PTAC, um, sort of, but not on this agenda item. I think it may actually have more to do with the, um, with, uh, I guess the discussion around the downtown Transfer Center. Okay, we can table discussion until then. Anybody else? Is that okay? Zell Ackland, PTAC member. Did he actually 
uh, cite any incidents on the letter. I took a quick read and it looked like there wasn't any any indication of some kind of a uh, car accident or something at one time, but it was not very specific. So it's kind of hard to run that down. I don't know if I missed something yeah, in the read. I, I read through it and I did not see any notes in terms of uh, accidents that related to the fact that there is a uh, bus transfer facility there. There are buses that drive by. So that, that was my estimation of uh, Mr. Thornburg's comments. Uh, I do see, however, he is on the line. Uh, Mr. Thornburg, would you like to uh, uh, say anything about uh, your letter? more than what you've already written and provided to us? Okay. Uh, hearing nothing from Mr. Thornburg on the line and nothing from any other PTAC members, um, we are trying our best to uh, move the the uh, downtown transfer facility from across the public library. We will discuss three of the locations downtown, none of which include it, the uh, block between seven, 700 and 800 on uh, Vermont Street. Uh, unfortunately, we are at odds with scheduling that, that anything that we do to try and move it quicker is going to distract us from uh, what we are able to do with the uh, formal plans to move the full transfer facility to Bob Billings and Crestline and build a secondary one in the downtown location. Um, as of right now, I believe our plans are that we have about 13 months to go before we open the new facilities. And I don't think we have any time and energy that we can spend on a temporary relocation that's ultimately going to produce a lot of the same kinds of issues that we have between the 700 and 800 block of Vermont. This is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. I just want to note, um, Mr. Thornburg mentioned in the chat um, about bollards. So I know the, um, one of the items mentioned in the letter that was attached referenced an accident, I believe, across the street um, on the, the west side by the library. I'm not sure when that happened. Um, you know, bollards can certainly be a tool we can use to um, protect bus transfer areas. Um, I don't know that we see enough recurring safety issues at our current location during service hours where we'd look towards investing in, in bollards at our, at our current location. It's certainly a tool we can think about how we implement um, at, at our new developed uh, facilities or um, at stops where we do see kind of recurring challenges with um, high-speed vehicles or, or vehicles that may may crash. Um, in its current location, the, the, the buses themselves act essentially as a barrier between the street and the sidewalk. Um, but that is, I just wanted to note that uh, that discussion around bollards, I think, is a good one under, under certain circumstances that could be a tool we could potentially use. Okay, keep us apprised on any thoughts that you have in terms of proposals for putting some up. And Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. The other thing I would note is we do have a member of the public here in the commission room with us this evening who I believe wanted to speak in the general public comment um, period. Excellent. Um, 
Sir, would you like to, did you have general public comment um, related to things not on the agenda you'd like to discuss? Let me get the situated here. Well, I read the article in uh, last Wednesday's paper about uh, putting a transfer station downtown and putting your main transit hub out at Crestline and Bob Billings. Well, I think we all know that there's two things that transit's supposed to do. One, move people. And the other is encourage de uh, economic development. Uh, Crestline and Bob Billings um, does not do that at all. And if you're going to build, if you're going to put a transfer station downtown in one of the parking lots, now you're using a parking space. The city commissioners have had letters from me, Adams had a letter from me, dealing with building a parking garage down in the 800 block, four story, put your transfer hub down there, or your transit hub down there, with handicap parking, with um, electric charging stations, all the things you need. Then you can worry about taking parking space up because now you've created more parking space than what you're going to take away. And it just seems to me that the city commissioners uh, did not let the transit authority or, or you guys make any decisions on where the transit transfer station was going to go. They're the ones that voted on it. I don't know what kind of input you guys had, but it doesn't look like to me that they gave you much input at all. And that's a shame because you're the ones that are responsible for, for putting this thing all together in the first place. So I'm very disappointed in the city commission and have been for quite some time over this issue. Cities don't put their transit hubs out in the middle of nowhere. They put it where it's going to help develop economic growth. And that's in the downtown area. Um, I did some research on uh, Big 12 universities. Their hubs are not near universities. They're downtown. That's where they want their people to go. Where's all the partying and everything? Downtown. At some point in time, uh, parking is going to get so bad downtown that people will have to find another way of getting down there. And if you don't have a parking garage to accommodate that, you're going to have to use buses. So I'm very disappointed uh, how this whole thing has transpired. Now, I, I don't know who was on, on the, the uh, advisory board, but um, I think the city is about ready to make a $6 million mistake. Um, even, even for KU students, putting the transfer transit hub out there at Bob Billings and Crestline does not serve them well either. And I don't know who came up with that idea, but it's not serving anybody in this community at all. It's just all you're worrying about is moving people. And you're not doing, not going to do a very good job at that. And that's all I, that's all I have to say. I know I've been tr probably trying to ride a dead horse for quite a while, but I'm a firm believer in, in mass transit. And this city has an opportunity to really blossom in mass transit. There is one other thing. Um, with electric cars, Gas tax, tax revenue is going to disappear eventually, and the states are not going to be able to build new highways. So when you want to get from point A to point B, it, it, you're either going to have to start looking at commuter rail or light, or, or, or light rail. And the transit authority has to be prepared to be able to transport people down to the Amtrak station if commuter rail does become available. 
I've been trying to work on that too. Kansas is not a big fan of commuter rail, but they're going to have to face the fact that they're not going to have money to build highways. So the only other option they have is commuter rail. So I think the transit authority needs to, it, it all goes hand in hand. If you look at cities that have transit authorities, not only do they have the buses, but they have light rail and they have commuter rail. Kansas City, buses and light rail. It's been big, very successful over there. I, we can't put trolleys in here. We can't, use, we can't use light rail in Lawrence. I'm well aware of that. But commuter rail from Lawrence to Kansas City would help alleviate traffic on the turnpike and on K-10. And the transit authority needs to be prepared that if that should happen, to be able to transport people down to Amtrak, to be able to uh, let them ride back and forth. But the way things are being set up right now, that's, you guys aren't going to be prepared for that. So that, that's all I have to say. Thank you very much for your comments, sir. You're welcome. Uh, would any members of the committee like to address uh, the gentleman? Uh, hearing none, uh, let's uh, proceed to the next item on our agenda, which is approval minutes from our uh, May 2021 uh, session. Uh, as always, uh, I will uh, ask for amendments three separate times, and if we have no further amendments at that point, then uh, the minutes will be deemed approved by unanimous consent. So do any PTAC members have any amendments to suggest to the amend to the minutes? Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. I might note that there was a request in Mr. Thornburg's letter for an amendment to the minutes. Um, uh, would ask PTAC members to consider that. Uh, his note, I believe, is that we did not acknowledge discussion of the conclusion about the crash history 700 Vermont. Uh, yes, I would like to confirm that in particular we brought up the uh, safety history of the 700 to 800 block on uh, Vermont Street. Are there any other, any other amendments to the minutes from PTAC members? Any other amendments? Hearing no further amendments, meetings are approved by unanimous consent. Thank you. The uh, next item on the agenda is a uh, presentation to uh, PTAC from uh, the uh, firm designing and constructing the multimodal transfer facility. This is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. I'll, I'll briefly introduce our consultant team here. Um, a number of you were able to join the uh, meeting one week ago at the Multimodal Transportation Commission. There was a joint study session between MMTC and PTAC. Um, the content you'll see tonight is, is pretty similar to that, but um, hopefully we can uh, get into more of the questions you all might have, having had a little more time to look at and think about this. Um, and with that, I will introduce uh, Tony Kellen uh, with Wendell Consultants, who I believe will begin the presentation. 
Thanks, Adam. Okay, can you see my screen, Adam? Yes. All right, thank you. Um, so I think this presentation has not changed a lot. We've added some slides, but so let's just jump right into it. Um, Adam, do you wanna do this first slide just to bring anybody that was not at the last meeting up to date on uh, what we've done so far? Sure, uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Um, I won't go bullet by bullet, but this slide is just to uh, demonstrate some of the um, engagement and public outreach we've attempted to do. Um, it reaches back to some of the engagement already done in the 2014 and 2018 studies, um, but more recently, uh, some of the efforts related to reaching out to neighborhoods and getting input from downtown. Um, uh, mid to late April, we had an immersion week with um, Wendell, our consultants here in town, doing a number of stakeholder meetings. Um, I had mentioned the MMTC and, joint, uh, and PTAC joint meeting last week. We had a couple of public meetings last Wednesday that are recorded and on our project website, if any of you are not able to make those. Um, and then after tonight, I uh, wanted to mention we do have additional opportunities tomorrow and Saturday at the Public Library. Um, we're doing a, a few different tabling opportunities at the library, so we'll have concepts laid out on tables and able to talk through issues with, with folks. And then Saturday, we were doing more tabling and we are also doing a, a walking tour of the sites downtown and then taking a bus ride out to Bob Billings and Crestline to look at that site before returning downtown. So um, I, we had a press release go out and I will put the details of that in the chat. Um, uh, would welcome any of you if you'd like to join us at at those opportunities to discuss. Thank you, Adam. Um, so just to highlight when we were in town in April, we did what we referred to as immersion process, which is essentially just an intensive three and a half days um, on site focused completely on your project and nothing else. We had nine, as Adam mentioned, nine stakeholder meetings, three meetings with city and university or client, as we would say. Um, and then we also had two public meetings and a number of other, you know, many groups were involved, including bus operators um, and so forth. So just to kind of capture the essence of those primary topics of concern for Bob Billings for the multimodal, a lot of conversation about the Bob Billings and Crestline traffic, um, safe movement of pedestrians on and off that site. Um, concerns for what amenities would be provided for not only the passengers, but also the bus operators. Um, maintenance weighed in that they would like to have some areas to store just some minor things to keep buses in service where a minor repair could be done right at the multimodal center. Uh, we talked about the city's desire and the university's desire for sustainability elements in the, in the project, including solar, uh, what, how we handle water and those things. We heard from the neighborhood, uh, making sure that our design uh, fits with the neighborhood, is sensitive to light and noise issues, and then also addressing the connectivity issues with Greyhound uh, and other ride-sharing services on that uh, project as well. For downtown, we're doing a smaller, uh, less buses, five. And we heard a lot about parking um, and how would parking be replaced. 
that would be impacted, um, making sure that we do a project that is uh, welcoming and fits with the downtown character. Um, some concerns about passenger amenities, also um, bathroom facilities for the uh, operators. And then consideration, just making sure that what we're doing is compatible with some of the downtown plans that are going on that are in process right now that might affect future redevelopment of any parking lot that we might impact. Uh, we also heard a lot about the farmer's market. So we're gonna jump right into the options. We'll go through these and then we will uh, open it up for comment. So essentially we were tasked with providing three opportunities uh, or design options, concepts really, if you will, for the multimodal and three for downtown. Um, this is option or concept option number one at Bob Billings and Crestline. It uses the current drive down here. Um, and again, maybe just to jump over to the right-hand side, the project design requirements that we were given were for 10 uh, city buses uh, to accommodate the largest coach 40 feet. Um, so two sawtooth bays for the commuter bus, Greyhound uh, connections, 15 parking spaces in this area for staff, uh, driver supervisors, and uh, people coming to the site um, for the ride hail area, storage for bicycle racks and locker area. And then uh, we went through a programming exercise to come up with the square footage. Um, the city in their RFP suggested 5,000 square feet. We feel that around 4,000 will accommodate what you need. Um, and there's room for expansion should you ever want to do that. Primary uh, advantages of these of this option is um, you have a close proximity between vehicles and the multimodal access and the uh, platform. Um, the riders do not need to leave this platform for transfers. Um, and the multimodal point and the bioswale natural environment can be a focal point from Bob Billings and Crestline. Um, we do provide a emergency access for buses. Um, there has been some you know, feedback that we've received already about um, the lack of desire to see this in these options, but we really can't design an intermodal or multimodal facility that has every vehicle having only one entrance and access point. So we have to show something as a prudent part of our design. And I just want to mention too, Scott Neal, you will see him on the screen. Scott is actually the project architect. Um, I'm assisting in the project management uh, of the project. Um, so Scott is here to uh, be part of the discussion as well. The only real disadvantages on this one is that, um, for the ones that we list anyway, is the bus emergency access is shared with bond transit vehicles and um, bus operators and the riders have to leave the platform um, to access the multimodal. So you're gonna see the project design requirements aren't really gonna change in option two and three. What we do in option two is we move the multimodal facility over here. We take the parking away from the bioswale area, enlarge that area and move it over next to the university's uh, west building and the multimodal facility then happens here and we have access for vehicles on this long drive and we allow buses to go out directly on Bob Billings. Um, so the buses have a shorter route. We can use uh, less expensive pavement over here since we only have car traffic on it. So again, I'll just pop back one 
as the, the vehicles using the Bristol entrance, buses going out to the other option to swap that same uh, concept for the island. Option three, we take the multimodal facility and we place it on the island. So the real advantages for that is that, again, you still have the bus circulation separated from vehicle traffic. That's an important principle for these facilities. We don't wanna mix auto and bus traffic. Um, the passengers do not have to leave the platform to access services, nor do the bus operators, should they need a restroom, a snack, or a break. Um, and we uh, do have passengers that are being dropped off crossing here, and that's a blind right turn, so to speak, for drivers, or they're, you know, they're watching the right-hand back tire, and so we see that as a disadvantage as the, as the pedestrians and users, if they're leaving to go to a rideshare or coming, we just have to be careful about that, but we see that as a potential disadvantage. So those are the three uh, multimodal options. We are working on a fourth option based on a lot of feedback that we've already had in the public meetings and so forth. And we can maybe talk just a little bit about that later, but we will stay on task here and go through the downtown first. So downtown has three options. We actually do a variation on a theme. The first option is Vermont between 8th and 9th. And in this option, what we do is, and let's just first go to the project design requirements. We have five sawtooth bays. I didn't mention it on the other uh, multimodal presentation that I just did, but essentially for those that maybe, if there are any that have not been in a meeting so far, the sawtooth configuration basically allows any bus to come into any slot or depart any slot independent of all the others. So there is no um, queuing issues. There's no you know searching for what bus you might be boarding. Those slots can be assigned and they're completely autonomous. Um, we have a shelter for each facility where people can wait and we also have an overhang um, over the front of the buses for those that are want to wait as the bus is pulling in. Um, we do not provide, like we did in the multimodal, a complete covered canopy um, because of cost. So we're going with the basic. Driver amenity is really a driver restroom. Um, and then we have community green space here on option one. And then we take the cycle track, which we feel would be on less than safe or optimum on the roadway. Uh, as buses are pulling in and pulling out, and we bring the cycle track behind the platform and along, and then transition it back up um, as it approaches ninth. Um, impacts, we lose 18 metered spaces and 14 parking lot spaces to a net loss of 58. Um, trees, there's this really shouldn't say tree loss, it's really tree impact. So as we get further into design, um, we'll have green areas, we'll preserve the trees that we can and add back if we have to. Um, it's not gonna be just all continuous impervious hard surface. We do have a tabletop crosswalk here um, that allows uh, the handicapped parking or those that are using the uh, any of these businesses on this side of the street. Tabletop meaning it's slightly raised and has warning elements and signs that um, slow vehicles down so people can safely cross mid-block. 
Um, I want to show you a side view of this or a perspective, I guess. Um, we keep the parallel parking on the other side of the street. We keep the middle turn lane, southbound and northbound lanes don't change. Um, the bus goes in at an angle. We have a platform that's 27 feet, 10 inches wide, and we have a 10 foot cycle track on the back side. A variation, well, I think Adam, do you want to do the parking after I show both or do you want to do them separately? Um, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. I'll just I'll just do this briefly. Um, we we know we need to keep in mind parking impact and how we mitigate that. Um, of course, we want uh, people to transition to using the bus more, so we hope that that can help mitigate parking impact. But for those that we are uh, would be removing under this um, instance, we wanted to look at occupancy. Now we've got um, data that we still need to pull in here from the 2017 parking study. But what you're looking at here is um, data just from about 10 days in this, um, this May that we were able to get data through our new parking technology, um, LPR, license plate reader system. We're able to see parking occupancy at different times of day. Um, now this is after university has already let out. Obviously, we're still experiencing some COVID recovery. so we understand the data is not perfect, but it is what we have. And we do plan to continue to gather, um, continue gathering this up through the commission meeting um, so we have more data points. But in general, what you see here is on the left side in a black dotted line, the parking spaces that would be um, impacted by this option development. Uh, the pink spaces are 10 hour meters along Vermont. And you see those have uh, pretty high occupancy from what we've seen in our data. So certainly something staff wants to keep our eye on how we, um, if, if those spots are going away, how do we find other alternatives for people using the area for long-term parking? And the spaces in the lot itself, uh, you see in the red graph, and uh, those spaces you see a little more room for occupancy. Um, uh, certainly as the day moves towards the afternoon, it, it, occupancy gets a little higher. But you'll see similar graphs on um, other options that we walk through. And like I said, we'll continue to gather data to have more data points and um, see what else we can find to help inform kind of the impact to the downtown area. I need to unmute myself, sorry. The second option is just a variation on 1B. Nothing changes on this option. The only thing that changes is that we introduce diagonal angled uh, street parking. And the consequence of that is that we add back, we'll go back to the screen, we add 37 angled parking spaces. Um, so we have a net loss of 42 as opposed to a net loss of 58. So we, we gain a net of 16 on that. Um, looking at this perspective, what is sacrificed is the center turn lane as well as five feet of the platform. Um, the cycle track stays the same. We still have the same you know, safe distances behind the back of the buses on the sawtooth. Um, so that's the main difference between option 1A and 1B. And we have received uh, feedback that this may not be desirable. Um, starting this on Vermont, um, 
it would have the effect of slowing traffic down traditionally when you have just two lanes and you have diagonal parking. Um, all right, so we'll go to the second option, uh, parking considerations for Adam. Sure, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. The two graphs on the bottom uh, reflect the same numbers you had looked at before. Um, the new graph here uh, just shows the two hour meters on the west side of Vermont and the utilization we saw for those during that 10 day period in uh, May. So you see pretty low utilization, um, at least from what we've captured so far. And the next option too is Vermont between 10th and 11th. With this design, uh, same requirements to get five sawtooth bays. We essentially really, because we don't have the linear curb space, we really have no choice but to go into the lot and uh, take a significant part of the lot. Um, you see this, this uh, ride hail area here that's really just a couple of those spots. Um, and we also talk about introducing parallel parking in the alley. We don't um, impact that a lot, but we have six metered spaces lost and 49 parking lot spaces. Um, limited changes on the street. Uh, project, you know, operator restroom, bicycle racks and lockers, all those things that are part of the project requirements stay. We do have a little bit of greenscape that we can add back. Um, See advantages, um, obviously when you get off the street completely, um, it's an inherently safer uh, operation, but it does have you know, major impacts on the long-term parking, um, bus movements in and out of the lot, being shared with cars is not desirable, um, and passengers are crossing this bus area versus option one where they can just stay on the pad. I forgot, I'm going to jump back to option one, too, and just mention that option one does function as a public sidewalk, too. I should probably mention that, and it's wide enough to do that. So parking impacts, Adam, on this one? Uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. So you can see, um, again, with the uh, amount of data we have so far, Pretty low utilization in this lot. Definitely increases when you get towards the evening, um, but throughout the earlier part of the day, um, at least according to May, May 2021, um, lower utilization there. And lastly, option three is between 8th and 9th on New Hampshire um, near the farmer's market area. So in this one, the station area is removed, station activity, excuse me, is removed from the street um, we are showing a uh, dedicated parking loading area behind here. Uh, we do realize that there are light poles and other things back there that need to be taken into consideration that would have to be addressed and designed, but um, we're showing some of that parking being put back there. This is pretty big impact. Um, it has a nice connection uh, to Massachusetts. But again, in order to meet the design requirements, we really have to take nearly the entire lot. Um, a lot of regrading work as a disadvantage because of the elevations here on the street versus the lot and to make bus movements in and out of here. Um, 
limited area for green space, just a lot of hard surface compared to option one in, in both option two and three. Uh, but all the same design requirements. Um, significant parking impacts, four metered spaces and 86 parking lot spaces. Although we do add back 14 or attempt to do that in the uh, alley, the net loss of 76. Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Um, as Tony mentioned, pretty high number of spaces and you see um, higher utilization in this lot. Still a little bit of room, but um, higher utilization than what we see in the other. And I think we can come back to this slide at the end. This is, Adam has talked about some of this, but let's go all the way back. Um, I just want to make one more comment that I forgot on option 1A. And that is that we do a right turn, right in, right out only here. We improve the size of this entrance a bit. And with the center turn lane, uh, we don't feel like we impact. Um, we heard from the businesses that parking and um, deliveries were important to them. So we feel that there's still adequate room for deliveries to access this back as they do today. Um, and the back of the house operation should be able to function fine. Um, with that, um, I can go to whatever screen folks would like, and we can talk more in detail about whatever you'd like. Um, this is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Mike, I might suggest we may just check and see if there's any members of the public that want to make comment between the presentation and when DTAC starts discussing. I agree. Uh, do any members of the public have uh, any comments on first the uh, central facility at Bob Billings and Crestline and second the downtown transfer center? This is Brad Allen. I'm a member of the public, but also director of Lawrence Public Library. So I'd speak with kind of both hats here. Um, and I, I do just want to say, you know, we've been, as, as the current um, bus hub, um, we've been studying this whole thing pretty carefully um, and are excited to see some progress. I, you know, the um, I have less comment on the um, Bob Billings and Crestline location. Um, other than I did, I did talk to Adam about the possibility of seeing if there's any way that the city wants to integrate any kind of pop-up, you know, library services or something there. You know, it might be a, another good rider amenity based on um, costs on the project, but that's something for another time. Um, I just, you know, I studying these. I, I, you know, I want to throw my support to the 800 block of Vermont. You know, bus access is really important to lots of people ride the bus that use the library and having this near the library, but not on the 700 block is, is really great. Um, as you probably know, and as um, John Thornburg, you know, mentioned the 700 block has kind of been problematic. There's no mid block way to really put a crosswalk. And so um, luckily things have been pretty safe, but uh, this, you know, being just South of the library, it will make much safer crossing to the library, people using, crosswalks and things like that. And it's also a good location. We just, um, for me, when we look at all these places downtown, this is one that, that on behalf of the library and my role as the director, we're excited about this location. Um, and, and I just wanted to show up today to lend my support to that. Um, that that's really about, about all I have to, to add. Thanks. Thanks. Um, 
Thank you, Brad. And I really like your idea of a pop-up library, give or take our budgetary constraints. I would definitely love to see something like that at the central facility. So thank you. Are there any other members of the public who would like to comment at this time? Mike, we do have a gentleman here in the commission room who'd like to comment. Come on up, Dwight. Your concepts for Crestline and Bob Billings kind of limits uh, how you get around because of the stoplight for one thing, and I have driven vehicles as big as these buses. And what you've got right there is going to be difficult for them to get in and out. I don't care how hard you, you know, what you think you've made it, but it is going to be difficult for them. And that light is going to cause some issues. Um, there again, if you had built it downtown, and it would be in the center of the block where you don't have to deal with stoplights. And I've seen so many people in Lawrence, they really don't like stoplights. I've almost been hit two or three times here in the last month by people not paying attention to stoplights. And Bob Billings is no different, especially when you have all those university students who live in those apartments to the north of where you want to put your station. But that's what you want to do, then, you know, feel free, but you better take into consideration that stoplight, because that's going to be a big issue for your drivers. And they will complain about it. I can guarantee they will complain about it. Now, if you go ahead and do it down at Crestline and Bob Billings, I don't see a real decent plan here for downtown. Because one, you don't protect the passengers from the weather. Uh, you have a nice little canopy over the sidewalk, and that's all fine and good, but that's not going to protect them from the rain, the snow, things like that, and the wind. So if you're going to do it and putting it on New Hampshire, you're taking all that parking up and you have no place to put it. Right now, Lawrence has a problem with parking. The city commissioners have owned up to that fact that they have a problem with parking. And what you're doing on uh, New Hampshire will not, that creates even a bigger problem. So whatever parking you take away in any lots downtown, unless you compensate for that, like a parking garage, we have two of them, what's, what's another one? Um, the plans are, are it's going to make it worse downtown than it is right now. We were down, I was downtown, uh, I think it was uh, Saturday night, and the traffic downtown and even the parking lots were almost full. So it, it, it's, it's going to create a problem. And when you get students in town, it's going to create even a bigger problem for you. So uh, you're going to have to be able to allow the passengers to have some protection from the weather, whatever you do. And the drivers are going to have to be very vigilant, especially at Crestline Bob Billings with that stoplight there. Because people coming down that hill from the lead center, they're not really going to be looking for buses. So you guys do whatever you want to do. It, I will tell you right now, it's a mistake. I've seen other bus uh, transit systems around the country. And um, this is really a mistake. But um, the city commission has made their mind up, I guess. So I guess I'm done with anything I have to say. You guys can do what you want, but um, you're going to have problems. And I don't think you want problems. I think you want a system that's going to function well. And right now, I, I, can't, I can't see it happening. Thank you very much. Um, 
Are there any other members of the public on the Zoom channel who want to comment? Hearing nothing. Is it, is it okay uh, to make one additional comment, Mike? I know I already talked. Oh, go ahead, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> I want to respect the formality of the meeting, which I am poor at doing most of the time. But uh, I did want to say, I mean, another argument for this this location compared to the others is it if you are getting into parking, and I meant to mention this before, this is the one that is the closest to the garage at the 700 block of Vermont. So, you know, you're losing parking in this area, but, you know, right above that and just to the, you know, just to the north and west, you've got a, a garage that I park in most every day. And to this point is not at capacity. We'll have those issues, you know, as the town grows. But as of now, just geographically downtown, this is convenient to, if people can't park here, there is a big parking garage that I would love to see us have more people parking in uh, just as a community. I know people don't like parking in parking garages, but that is there. And I meant to mention that, so apologies. Thank you, Brent. Can I make another comment about parking? Sure. I was a good comment about the parking garage by the library. But the one thing you said is, for now, um, don't you can't look for the now. You've got to look to the future. How Lawrence is going to grow. And if you if you look at now, you're always going to have to be building something somewhere. So try to get ahead of it. Uh, you're going to spend more money trying to get ahead of it than if you had just gone ahead and put more thought into it and put more. Uh, a little bit more expense into it and take care of the issue now for say 15, 20 years down the road. Uh, taking care of something now for five years is not gonna work because Lawrence is gonna grow. That's a guarantee too. I've seen it, I've been here 17 years and I've seen how Lawrence has grown and it's still gonna grow. So don't plan for, for now, you've gotta plan for the future 15, 20 years down the road. Um, you're, the, the, the study, the transportation study, uh, looked at 20 years down the road, and apparently nobody's read it. Uh, apparently nobody's read the comments that, that the citizens have made about the, the uh, uh, bus transfer stations. Um, everybody wants to do what they want to do, and, and that's all fine and good, so uh, don't, I'm glad I don't have access to the computer because I saw where it says go on to Lawrence listens. Well, I don't think you guys listen because your studies have shown that people want it downtown. Your input sessions have shown that you want it downtown, but nobody wants to listen to the people who are gonna use the buses. That's the other issue. You gotta listen to people who's gonna use it. I would like to note for the record that we do have two members of PTAC who uh, claim that they regularly ride the bus system and have extensive experience with uh, dealing with uh, the complexities of getting on and off the bus at the current location. Um, thank you for your comment. Uh, are there any members of PTAC who'd like to? Oh, Margretta, yes, yeah, please go ahead. This is Margaret DeFries, and I would just like to add in my capacity as someone who has ridden the bus in Lawrence as long as it's been here, but I also work at transportation services and help 
friend Kay on Wheels. You know, there have been many opportunities and attempts for us to proceed with this project. And some of where we've ended up is because people don't want transit in their backyard. And we are doing the best we can with the locations that are available to us that have the size and footprint that are needed in order to have the size of transit center that we need to have in order to make everything meet up. And so I recognize that the commenter in the commission room whose name I just completely blanked out on, um, he has a good point. A lot of people ride the bus and a lot of them are going downtown, but we're very limited because of the space and size that we need. And unfortunately, that is a fact of life that if we had planned for this 20 or 30 years ago, it would be a very different picture today. Thanks. Thank you, Margareta. Mike, this is August P. Tech Committee. I was curious if this is a good time to ask Mr. Allen's opinion of Mr. Dorenberg's concerns. I didn't know the director of LPL would be on this call or if you intend to do that later. I'm, I'm happy to answer um, or give you my perspective. Um, and I know John, we've talked a good bit. I mean, my, uh, there, the very, very early on, um, at very early on, right there by the garage where there's the big stairs that you know the go down the. It's actually it's an ADA ramp and a staircase on the south side of the lawn. Um, some people I think thought that was a cut through, and a, and a couple cars did just like pull in right there at the curb cuts um, for the handicap spots and drive down there. Um, and because there was nothing there. And so we, we, uh, I can't remember if Porter or who came up with the idea to start putting one of the, um, sculptures there, um, as a visual indicator that this is not a street and it stopped, <laughs> it ended it. Um, and, uh, to John's point, um, and this is all hearsay from my understanding too, is the person, the sculpture they had picked out for the most recent um, one, the person had heard that it was there to help indicate that this is not a place that you should drive and didn't want it to be hit by a car, which none of the others had been hit by a car. We were disappointed. So we were really excited for that sculpture to actually be there. Um, and the sculpture that we got was not, was the one that we got and it wasn't really suitable to try to be an indicator of trap. John had a picture there. It was of the, sculpture of the homeless woman um, that they put on a bench um, that was then uh, graffiti was vandalized and destroyed, unfortunately, um, which the other one would not have been. But at any rate, um, that that's the story of it. There, there were a couple cars early on. Now, whether that's just training people about, um, about things or not, I don't know, but the sculptures had helped. Um, what that has to do with bus ridership. I'm not really, I'm not really certain. I can't really comment on I, my comment is we've had folks from the city and, you know, including previous city commissioners and folks from the city to really study, figuring out some way to get some kind of mid block crosswalk. And it's just, it's just too tight. There's nowhere to do it. You know, like with the AT&T building there with the cut in for AT&T, there's just, 
there's nowhere to do it. So people jaywalk. I mean, nobody goes to 7th Street or 8th Street from the bus to walk over to the library. They just walk around. And uh, fortunately, nothing has happened, but it is it is not ideal. That's that's why I really like the 800 block is it's super close and you're going to walk up to the library and cross over. You know, it just is a more safe um, way to approach things. I feel like I've strayed from the question you asked me, August, but um, that that's my, we did have some unfortunate incidents, but those sculptures really helped serve as a visual uh, indicator that this is not a street. Um, that That's the short of it. Happy to elaborate if you'd like. Thank you very much. Are there any PTAC members who have a comment on uh, the locations and the designs? Yeah, Lance Fay, Vice Chair PTAC. I have a couple comments and a question. Um, as far as uh, Crestline is concerned, um, I've been a bus rider for the 20 some years now that we've had a bus system in Lawrence, or a public one anyway. I've watched it grow, and I've also watched the various um, research and discussion and uh, attempts to try to find a, a reasonable transfer hub. And I've, uh, because of my experiences as a bus rider all over the city, not just downtown, but all over the city, I have uh, grown more supportive of the Crestline location because of where the core of ridership is and where that core of ridership is going. Downtown is a destination. It is not the only one. And uh, I think we need to look at the entire connective, connectability of the entire city. Uh, and that's what I think is being done with having both a Crestline location and still having the five buses downtown, which is, is appropriate. Also, if you look at some of the um, route redesign studies that have been done, that kind of shows you how that connectivity would actually make for a more efficient uh, and uh, effective uh, transit map. Um, and as far as you know, the, uh, the safety issue of that street light I, uh, and that stop sign, I do agree with and I have brought that up. And I know that that is something that is being discussed. Um, the, I also think that the um, 8th and 9th, the, the 800 block of New Hampshire of the three downtown recommendations is the one that makes the most sense. And we can certainly look at details on that to, uh, to see if we can help with a little more shelter. Uh, that, that's something I suppose that could be discussed. Um, it looks at the best as far as pedestrian safety to me. Uh, also, the question that I had when you do your traffic studies, which I kind of think we need more of anyway, or your parking, uh, parking uh, deficits, is are we adding the parking spaces that are currently used on the 700 block for the buses and, and for the transit vehicles, are we adding those spaces back into the data that's before us now? Because I don't see it. Maybe it's there and I just don't see it. So that's, I guess, my question. And this is Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. Uh, those spaces on the 700 block that could potentially be added back in are not, um, are not shown as added back in as part of this work yet. I think there's some, there's still some discussion around internally with staff about, you know, if we introduce a two-way cycle track on the 800 block of Vermont, 
Um, could there be plans for continuing that to create a more uh, cohesive, protected bike network downtown? Um, so I think there's some discussions that still need to be had on that mode of transportation on if um, adding parallels back to the 700 block of Vermont is the most utilitarian. Uh, should we be thoughtful about is that some future cycle track um, or not? But, but that is still kind of an open on the table sort of, um, of option. And you're right, those numbers do not reflect potential to add that back in. Thank you, Lance and Adam. Are there any other uh, members of PTAC who'd like to comment at this time? <laughs> Gregory Critchlow, PTAC. Uh, you know, one of the questions I had and um, wanted to pose it last time was, you were looking at a very uh, schematic and programmatic understanding of the placement of both facilities. Uh, but one of the questions earlier is some of the detail about the, um, the actual bays and the overhangs and things of that nature. Uh, is, it, is it going to be a situation to where those become a design that is standard or is there another discussion what those uh, particular bays look like? Uh, and even the transit facility itself that houses potential restrooms and facilities of maintenance and things of that nature. Uh, what will that aesthetic be if that's even thought about at that point, at this point? I'll let Scott answer that. Scott's designed, I don't know how many, a lot of multimodal facilities. Are you still there, Scott? Case was like, who's going to do Yeah, one, one, one second, folks. Yeah, my, my apologies. Um, ask the question again there, Tony. The question was, um, what are we looking at for design of the multimodal facility? And then secondly, um, you know, what kind of ideas do you have for design and then aesthetically downtown? Are these just going to be, you know, bargain basement shelters? That's not the way the questioner asked it, but, you know, will, what, will there be design elements, these canopies, these shelters, um, this downtown stop? What can we do? Yeah, I mean, at this at this point, this is um, we're at the part of the project where we're coming up with the the layout. Um, what's the best use of the space? <clears throat> what are the amenities? I don't think we're at that um, level of detail yet to um, to discuss that. There will be a visioning ses session after we. Um, after we work out these layouts, <clears throat> and then we can get into um, those very questions. I will say that you are correct. There are options that we can do traditional um, shelters. Those tend to be the most cost-effective. We have done a hybrid of those, which is that <clears throat> we can work with the manufacturer and come up with something using their kit of parts that it's a little bit more um, specific to any kind of branding you would want to do. And then we can go to completely um, custom. <clears throat> but again, with the idea of the kit of parts that anything we design would be um, easily replaceable um, in, in case of vandalism and what have you. So th those are all things coming. We're just not really there quite yet. Um, I would also say that um, the comments on 
uh, rain, wind, and elements, those also are going to be in the conversation. Um, and um, we don't typically do facilities that we're not thinking about all three of those things. And being from um, being from Minneapolis, you know, just taking it, uh, <laughs> you know, to the extreme um, because of uh, the cold weathers, there's there's even push button for uh, for infrared heaters. So um, not saying you would need to go that far, but those are the things that, you know, we would be putting into the conversation. The reason we don't get into those right now is they become distracting to the larger question of where is this located, how many buses, and how is this safe and effectively working from a circulation point of view from both vehicles and people. That said, I'll just add um, for the questioner that I've seen Scott's designs over the last 25 years and you're gonna have something that is very nice and cost-effective and sustainable. And uh, so he's being a little bit too humble there, but yes. Thank you. Gregory, do you have any other comments or questions? I'm not at the moment. Thank you, though. Thank you. Uh, any other members of PTAC then? Any other comments, questions, or concerns? Nick Kuzmiak of PTAC, I realize that depending on how your uh, Zoom frames are set up, you may not have seen me raising my hand, so <laughs> that explains it. Um, all right, I'm going to start oh, Apologies. Yeah, I'm Sorry, I didn't quite hear you. You were breaking up a bit. Am I the only one hearing the bad audio, or is, or is that everybody hearing that? A little bit unstable. Go ahead, Nick. Okay, sweet. Um, all right, I wanted to start before I get into specific comments, just to kind of um, to speak to some of the issues that were brought up at um, during the public comment because I feel like as PTAC members, it's sometimes our job to be advocates for public transit and make sure that there are no misconceptions um, and misreadings of the history of how we got to where we are. So I just wanted to start with that. First of all, saying parking has been studied downtown fairly extensively and despite negative perceptions, the fact remains there is enough parking for the most part. It may not be exactly where you want it and when you want it, but there's definitely enough parking downtown. Um, Adding a new garage is not a trivial matter. At an average of about $20,000 per elevated parking space, we simply don't have the money in the budget to pull something like that off easily, especially when we're really backlogged on infrastructure, all that jazz. Um, people complain enough about taxes as it is, so this is kind of a non-starter. Um, as to the centralized location being a poor choice, I, I would counter that this location has been vetted through multiple studies that have addressed location, connectivity, and has also been supported through um, a direct letter by the neighborhood around, which I can't say for the other locations that were chosen, which um, specifically elicited some rather NIMBY responses. So this is the one location that worked and would actually have us. Um, so the idea of a centralized location is, is, is hopefully evident, um, is really to make the bus routes more efficient. So this really goes hand in hand with the ongoing route redesign study and a geographically central location is pretty critical to having those efficient routes. Um, which is exactly what Lance was saying. You know, this is a bus service for the whole city, not just for downtown. Um, and 
I would say this is literally planning for the future because as the city has grown to the west, Crestline and Bob Billings are increasingly the center of town. Um, and there is still the downtown transfer center included. So I feel like we're checking a lot of boxes here. Um, and finally, as to issues with bus operators doing turns, I would say the city staff has been pretty good, both on the MSO side and on parking and transit and making sure bus operators kind of aren't screwed over by certain changes in, um, in geometry of turns. Um, I mean, even for example, 19th and Louisiana Street, maybe it's 21st and Louisiana, when the bike boulevard was being proposed for that area, um, they actually did tests of, can the bus make this turn? So I, f I feel like to assume that we've d disregarded the needs of operators is kind of selling the staff short here. So just wanted to get that all out into the open. As for the actual um, transit facility, um, so I, I brought up a decent amount of these at the joint meeting between MMTC and PTAC, but I wanted to go over a couple of these again, just because um, the rest of PTAC is now in this meeting. So sorry if this runs a little bit long or um, also has spoken too fast, but I'm gonna do my best to make sure other people can speak. So um, the drainage area on the central transfer site, I think um, this is kind of wild, but it, it is a potential opportunity to add some skate park infrastructure. As we saw at the recent CIP meeting for the city, um, apparently there was an urgent need for a lot more skate park infrastructure and plenty of cities um, around the world and even in the US have, have used the site of a detention basin to also serve as something you can do when it's not raining. So just something to think about. I'm sure it's not in the budget, but if, if there's any way to allow for retrofitting later, that could really serve us well in the future on the parks and rec side. Um, I think in the central locations, I think the multimodal facility is better facility, sorry, it's better suited to be on the island um, to maximize pedestrian safety of both passengers and operators. If you're trying to rush and make a quick bathroom break between transfers, um, you're more likely to maybe have some errors in calculation when crossing a busy street. So if we can eliminate that, we can hopefully eliminate a lot of vehicle person conflicts. Um, for the central facility, due to grading issues, I, I would steer us towards option two or three if possible, because it would hopefully save a decent amount of money and not having to cut and fill a, a lot on that site. Uh, option three shows a facility in between two canopies that are not contiguous. Seems like kind of a missed opportunity to extend it by maybe just two feet and just basically make a full connection from the top to the bottom side of the um, bus base for a canopy. Let's see. Um, for the downtown facility, I would highly recommend if we're going to have green space, we should make it useful and, um, and integrate it into the recommendations of the downtown master plan, which has recently been, well, it's almost completed. Um, to that effect, I think a public bathroom would be highly desirable partly because there are a lot of people who don't have the privilege of easily walking into um, businesses and such and using the bathrooms, as well as the fact that, um, you know, it's it's a bus stop for not just the operators, but for the passengers as well. So I think a public bathroom would be highly desirable there. Next up is um, the, atrium, the 800 block of Vermont kind of presents a really rare opportunity to, you know, again, check some of those boxes for the recently completed downtown master plan. So there's a need for public space, a need for friendlier pedestrian realm, um, and to eventually, um, I guess, save a lot of the surface parking lots for future redevelopment into either a garage or a building. Um, what I think is tricky here is that I don't know how limited the consultants were in the RFP process um, for kind of what you could imagine 
where the lines were with which you could color between. But I think, if, I mean, looking at the access points in this 800 block, there really aren't a lot other than what would already be taken away from the parking lot and that Southwest private parking lot that can also be accessed by the alley. So technically speaking, you could actually cut off the whole street to anything but bus, pedestrians, and bikes, um, which if done correctly, could basically be a very long public square, which you don't currently have downtown. Now, um, uh, city staff and MSO has noted that there is a potential for, um, you know, a disadvantage in circulation of cars, but I should note that cars aren't the only um, way that you can visit downtown. And at a certain point, I think we have to balance, you know, uh, things that you actually want to visit and see and do downtown and space for cars. And I think this is a really good opportunity to maybe think outside the box a little bit, plan for the future and make use of this rather expensive downtown master plan that we just bought. Uh, all right, for the canopy, I would like to share my screen if that's possible. I'll try to be relatively quick with this here. Where is the screen share button? Tony, you will need to uh, disable your screen share for Nick to be able to. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Trying to, trying to find my control here. Stop sorry. share, there we go. Okay. Uh, is it under, where is the button? Your full right. screen, it'll be up near the top. Oh, geez. Is it enabled for us? Oh, sorry. That wasn't the button. Geez, you'd think as a millennial, I know exactly how to do this, but I am not. Oh, there it is. It's green. That's why I couldn't see it. All right. So um, I mentioned last time that it would be ideal in the downtown bus transfer center to have canopies of some sort that could shade um, you know, from sun and wind and rain and everything the entire length instead of just the bus base. And I think it was misinterpreted as assuming that we need bus height ones the, the whole way. And yeah, those are pretty expensive. They're pretty fancy. And I don't think it's even particularly effective for normal pedestrian shading because, you know, if rain's going sideways, this is not very helpful. That being said, the country of Singapore does an amazing job of putting walkways over, or sorry, putting canopies over pretty much any walkway you can imagine. And in a country that is, is bombarded by equatorial sunlight and torrential downpours, this is a huge advantage. So it makes walking so much easier. And they really aren't particularly expensive. I mean, yeah, that one looks pr pretty fancy, right? But, but in a lot of spots, I mean, it's literally just corrugated sheet metal over the same kind of supports that you'd have for a carport. So it's pretty easy stuff. And I feel like this is something that we as a city could come behind. Finally, in terms of visual cues, I wanted to point this spot out in Austin where I used to um, both bike and walk and t take the bus to. Now, this reminds me of the idea of putting a bike path in between the pedestrian realm and the public transit realm. And while this is a 35 mile an hour street, and I think separation of uses is pretty necessary because it would be dangerous otherwise, on a 20 mile an hour street like Vermont, it seems a little bit over the top. And I feel like it would maybe cause more trouble than it's worth. Um, hearing the idea of protected bike lanes downtown is, I feel like maybe a perspective from people who've only ever biked in small towns where, you know, the, the instinct is to, is to separate bikes from cars at all costs, regardless of the context where other countries seem to excel and economize on their bike lanes is only creating protected infrastructure where you are, you know, at a very different speed than the cars on the street at 20 miles an hour, unless you're a kid on training wheels, you're really going to be much closer to 20 miles an hour than you are going to be towards um, pedestrians who are going to be crossing from the bus to the parking lot. So just wanted to keep that in mind that there's, 
this is not a high-speed street. Finally, um, sorry, there's one more thing here. Um, I think, all right, I think the idea of a of the uh, center turn lane for option 1B is, or sorry, 1A, is um, something that we can probably get rid of because there's not a lot of access points on that 800 block. So having a center turn lane is really just a, a lane for nothing. There's, there's very few people who will use that except for maybe delivery drivers. Um, but then you get to option 1B where the turn lane has been removed and instead you have the sawtooth parking, which I don't really have a problem with. But the cross section showed that you have a 15 foot southbound lane and a 13 foot northbound lane. Um, typical highway wainlets are about 14 feet. So these are the same width as a interstate highway lane, which as we know, the, the wider the street is, the more you are encouraged to speed. Those sawtooth parking spaces may not even be particularly well utilized, which means that there aren't gonna be a lot of other close in visual cues to deter folks from speeding downtown. So this is truly a 20 mile an hour street. You need to either make sure it is kind of clustered, um, kind of concentrated and uncomfortable to drive fast on or make smaller lanes or just cut off cars entirely because otherwise people are gonna drive what they feel comfortable driving speed limits be damned, right? So anyway, um, that's a lot of stuff to go over but hopefully at least some of that um, could come under consideration. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Nick. Uh, Adam, I would like to note that we're at 523 and we still have one full agenda item left and any other transit staff and PTAC member items. So we need to prioritize. Yeah, this is Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. Certainly don't wanna cut off conversation. So um, staff is happy to accommodate that. I, I know that on our second item, we, we do need quorum in order to direct the chair um, to write a letter of support for some grant monies that we're chasing. So um, I'll, I'll leave that. It is the application due for that. Uh, due on the 25th. So this is the last time that we'll see you before. Okay, I think we need to uh, discuss that then, unfortunately, and table uh, further discussion on the transfer facility until uh, next month when we get updated designs. So uh, let's proceed to uh, agenda item two, uh, access innovation and collaboration grants. This is Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. Um, so we attached a number of different grant application narratives for you all. Um, the state of Kansas has um, the access innovation and collaboration grants, which are uh, transit focused grants. Um, they offer a pretty wide range of guidance of a lot of different things we can apply for. Um, things from technology to infrastructure, uh, bus related components, facility related components. Um, so we really put our heads together with a lot of different initiatives that we're looking at pursuing. Um, things that we really think will make transit more convenient to use, um, um, more quality experience and um, came up with five different um, applications. So um, I'm happy to walk through some of that if the group desires. Um, in general, a couple things I would say is uh, in total, if the state were to grant us everything that we ask for, it's about $3.3 million uh, worth of projects. Um, it would cost us a local match of around $660,000. Um, so we've we've submitted everything with an 80-20 split, 
20% local match and 80% um, state. Um, a number of these projects are things we need to do anyways. So uh, these are, are, are ways that we can tap into state monies to help alleviate some of our local cost. Um, and we, we think it's a, a smart thing for us to be pursuing these, these opportunities when they come along. Um, certainly through the process, um, early indications from the state is that they're quite interested in a lot of the, the things we'd put together in concept form for developing these larger um, applications. So uh, I don't know that we're, we'll be confident to get everything, but I do think we are in good position to get, um, to get some of these. So uh, because we're short on time, I maybe will ask, and I'm happy to do it either way, um, is there a, a level of detail? Would you like me to go through each of these? Do we want to jump to specific PTAC questions about um, each of these topics? I'm happy to, to go either way, Mike. Uh, I, the main question I have is what's the risk in terms of if we don't get these grants? And it sounds like from what you've described that we will probably proceed no matter what and we'll have to dip into uh, capital funds to be able to accommodate for the projects. Um, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Um, that is is generally the case. There there are probably a, a couple of these things lower on our list that we wouldn't absolutely have to do, um, but uh, but a number of them, amenity improvements, um, you know, pursuing a microtransit option as part of our route redesign. Uh, rebranding vehicles as part of an ongoing effort with KU to bring a joint brand together that kind of unifies the services we offer. A lot of these things will we'll need to move forward even without, without grant funding. So that is part of the risk reward. Thank you. Uh, Margreta also brought up a question, the local match, does that include a share from KU or just uh, City of Lawrence funding? There are um, a couple of these opportunities that we are working with KU to determine how much local match they potentially could help with. Uh, but certainly there's a couple items that benefit us both. You know, the, the rebranding of vehicles to come to a cohesive brand is certainly one of those things that we would want to partner with, with KU on as far as the local match. Uh, Lance Fay, Vice Chair of P-TECH, do you need me for quorum on this? Because I got to catch a bus. <laughs> I'm like, I literally have to run and catch a bus. If you need me for quorum, then I have to. We have right now myself, uh, August is still here, Frederick is still here, Gregory is still here, Nick is still here. That's five of us okay. with Alan and you leaving. So I think we're okay, Lance. Okay. All right, guys. Sorry, but I got to catch a bus. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lance. Uh, do any of the remaining PTAC members have uh, specific questions or want to dive into detail on any of the five grants? Okay, uh, barring that then, I think now is the time to entertain a motion to uh, support these grants. Nick Kuzmiak, PTAC. I would motion that we approve um, that, that as PTEC, we, we direct the chair to write a letter of support for each of the access innovation and collaboration grant applications. Thank you, Nick. Is there a second? August Rudisell, PTEC member, I second that. Thank you, August. Uh, 
Felice, could you go through roll call and uh, count out votes, please? Lance, um, Max? Yes. Um, uh, I. Mike. I better vote I. Nick. I. Gregory. I. Phil. August. I. Freddie. I. I heard six eyes, so I believe that carries the motion. Thank you very much. Uh, I will work on drafting a letter and uh, circulate with Lance and Adam for uh, drafting purposes before submitting and get it in time for our, uh, you said May or June 25th submission, Adam? That's correct. Yeah, I'll get it to you in time for that. Thank you. Uh, Next on the agenda with our limited time is future gender work session items to add. I am guessing there are none. Hearing nobody jumping at the gut on that. I am going to jump to other items. Uh, August and Frederick, do you have any updates to make on the route redesign? I mean, I don't have anything. August, we just saw PTAC committee. I don't have anything specific. They went over um, the the stakeholder meeting presentation and asked for feedback and kind of explained how they're going to present the material to the to the public. And um, it all looked really good. It looked really informative. Really explained what they're looking for as far as what we have now and what we want to get to. Um, and gave the samples. Uh, I just displayed all the samples, all the graphics they're going to use. And I think I think the the public commentary should be interesting on what they get back. Thank you, Otis. Frederick, do you have anything else to add? No, what August said was a good issue. Thank you very much. Uh, next item on the agenda is transit staff items. Uh, Adam, I see a Lono grant application update and an update on the mobile fare payment RFP. Yes, uh, Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. Uh, just a couple things before those two items. I'll just build on um, what August mentioned by saying that we uh, should have communications going out tomorrow about those stakeholder and public meetings for route redesign that are upcoming. We've got a number of things planned for next week, the week of the 21st. So, um, of course, virtual meetings you can get involved in. We're also looking at um, a way at the public library for the general public to design their own routes, essentially, you know, alter existing routes or draw new routes, both on paper and on a digital remix tool that we have. Um, so we can use that to incorporate into uh, some of the early uh, drafts that the consultant will be putting together. Um, so keep your eye out for that information. We'll have that going out tomorrow. Uh, the other thing, I don't believe I had an opportunity last month. Uh, Max Schieber is on the call. Uh, Max is a KU student who um, works as the transportation coordinator for KU on Wheels um, and is, is now part of PTAC. He has taken over uh, Logan Stewart, who held the same position at, at KU prior. So good to have Max here and, and have some, some student voice. But um, Max, do you want to say hi or anything else about yourself? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm a KU student. Uh, I'll be a senior this year studying public administration. I'm excited to work with you guys. Uh, my email is max 
www.shaber uh, at ku.edu. I'm pretty sure it's on the website. Um, if you need anything from me, thank you guys all very much. Adavi on board, Max. All right, and Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. The couple other things I was hoping to have some exciting news about Lono. We're right at the uh, time period where we expect FTA to be making some announcements soon. Um, we are just over two months since we submitted that application for two additional um, electric buses to add on to the five that we plan to get uh, this upcoming spring. So um, maybe at the next month, uh, but we, we're, in the, we're in the time period where they should be making an announcement soon. It's never an exact, exact science. Um, and then the mobile fare payment RFP, uh, we uh, received three proposals for that. We are looking through those um, to hopefully make a determination soon. Um, we got some good, uh, good proposals and I think we'll have um, some, some good choices in front of us. Uh, rollout on that type of system is pretty quick. So there'll be some time in uh, once we make a decision in developing contract and getting that approved. Um, uh, but then rollout time only takes like four to six weeks. So. Uh, potentially by route changes in August or uh, sometime late summer, early fall, we should have the option for people to um, buy and use transit passes on their phones. Um, so that's an exciting development um, that should be uh, not, not very costly for us to roll out and provide a, a definitely a brand new benefit for transit riders. That's great news. Thank you, Adam. Uh, do any of the remaining members of PTAC have questions about those updates? Okay, normally I would offer longer, but we are six minutes over and uh, I would like to adjourn so that I can get back to enjoying the rest of my vacation with my family. Adam Weigel, can I hold you all up for like one more minute here? Um, please, please join us if you have time at um, the library tomorrow for some of the outreach we're doing related to the facility or Saturday. Um, I, again, I put that information in the chat, but um, we have a number of tabling opportunities. And I know since some of our discussion was a little short tonight, happy to talk through more of that with you all if you have time. All right. Thank you very much, Adam. Uh, with that, uh, I will adjourn the meeting. Thank you very much. We will uh, meet again next month on July 12th same time. Uh, not sure about in person or remote still, but I will plan on being remote still. Have a good night. Thank you.